Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. We are also so excited to share the good word of HeroForge. HeroForge is an online character design application for you to create, customize, and order tabletop miniatures that represent your D&D character. HeroForge offers a genre-spanning library of thousands of parts, sliders, customization options, and color design tools, 3D asset bundles for online play, token makers for virtual tabletops, and much, much more. So go to HeroForge.com today and make your very own tabletop miniature. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition livestreamed actual play campaign set in an original, non-colonial, anti-orientalist world. I am your Game Master Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Asamar bloodhunter. Lyra Olsen plays Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter and warlock. Max Gua plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an elf sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a dragonborn rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a triton monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a changeling cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a reborn goliath ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include intrusive thoughts, compulsions, manipulation, blood and bloodletting, vast voids, kidnapping, imprisonment, and nightmares. Arc 5, Episode 5 Devour and Feed from V-Neck T-Shirt Sonnet by Joseph O. Legaspi. Jaron, you shake hands with Adam, the self-proclaimed imago of the chrysalis, a human man, as far as you know, with a smile like a knife and hair as blonde as gilded straw. His grip is firm, self-assured, his blue eyes glint like placid ice, and then he lets go of your hand. Adam gestures at the wooden door behind you, a door built into the wall of his domed underground office, filled to the brim with peculiarities. Strange, spindly silver instruments whirring on stone shelves, leather-bound books with titles and languages you don't recognize, glass orbs full of dazzling smoke. Please, Jaron, allow me to walk you out. Jaron will take one last look at Adam, one last look around the office, and nod. Adam takes a torch from a sconce, the same one that he put into the office during the beginning of your discussion, and begins to escort you through this labyrinthine darkness after pushing this door on well-oiled hinges open. The flickering light from this torch dances against the rocky walls all around you. 
and in this oppressive darkness, it's difficult to tell what's real and what's not. Whether that flitting shadow is a monster lurking just out of reach or a mere trick of the light. You don't really know. And as you walk, the damp smell of the underground fills your nostrils up rich, earthen, sickly sweet smell. All you hear around you are your own muffled footsteps and Adam's, and the faint sizzle of the torch. Eventually, Adam breaches a larger chamber, a familiar one, and what you see on the cusp of his torchlight are cages. Dozens and dozens of steel cages, metal bars stained with rust? No, blood. You glimpse cracked bone, shredded clothing, a boot here, a hand there, skin, gristle. You also see monsters, empty beasts, creatures you have never encountered before, fleshy conglomerations of shadow molded into the vague shape of people or dogs or maybe both, a dribbling tar black drool as they crunch and chew and swallow. And as they sense the fire, they look up, and you see flat, depthless eyes like buttons or holes staring out back at you. Some of these monsters, you realize, have one eye, others three or seven or nineteen. Some have a single limb and two mouths, others have one mouth and two limbs. Their shapes and sizes and configurations are varied, but they all respond to your arrival in the same way by pressing their fleshy mass against the steel bars of the cages, oozing past the cracks like foam expanding in water, sloughing and slapping down onto the dungeon floor, claws and nails and fingers scrabbling against tile. And that's when Adam cuts in and says, that's enough. And just like that, every single one of these monsters stops approaching you and they just sort of seethe there, waiting and undulating. And Adam turns back to you, Juron, and says casually, I saved you this time, but if you come down here again by yourself, without uh, calling ahead, I'm afraid I won't be around to bail you out. The stairs are at the end of this chamber. Turns back to the beast. Let this one through, but next time, you can eat. Why feed people to the monsters? <laughs> what a silly question. Why do you eat food? I suppose that's true. You see, people and like you and me need food to survive, yes? Emissaries live on magic, and who knows what sustains the gods before they left us. These sweet creatures need soul stuff. Souls. That's yes. what they feed on. Not the flesh, not the blood, not the bone, but the soul. Feed is such a person-centric word, no? What do you mean? I don't know if I would call it feeding so much as keeping safe. <laughs> You're a monster hunter, aren't you? Surely you've dissected one of these sweet beasts before? Seen the bags inside? I wouldn't exactly consider that keeping the souls safe. Why not? Otherwise, the souls just, and he snaps, disappear into the weave without an after to go back to. Yes, but they're stolen from a person's body first. <laughs> I'm a very busy man, Juron. Please. And he gestures toward the end of the chamber again. Juron moves to, like, exit 
by the stairs and with one foot on the first step, I think hesitates, turns back at Adam. Old Mama Lightning dies so that the other paragons survive. Yes? A small price to pay for disrupting fate, don't you think? Small price to pay. And Jaron turns back around and ascends the stairs. As you do, your own footsteps sort of clacking against the stone. You hear his voice ringing out at you, growing smaller and smaller through the darkness. Just remember, Jaron, you promised to think about it. And I think we cut now as you're like ascending the stairs to a tavern. Uh, a dingy, hole-in-the-wall bar in some forgotten alley of the district of Suraksha, right? Tucked between, like, a head shop and, like, a tattoo parlor, right? And the lounge inside this tavern is just filled with hookah smoke, right? The smell of beer and wine and the clacking of knuckle bones and dice as patrons gamble their life savings away. And we see big clay pots of hallucinogenic soma sitting on high shelves behind the bar, right? As, like, various barkeeps, like, sweep from order to order um, and servers also move between like low mats and tables and amidst this ruckus Jaron where do we find you when Jaron exited the chrysalis headquarters um, he put his dubatta back on his head back to cover his face but took off the chrysalis shawl and put that into their bag and when they entered into this tavern they would have looked for like the nearest empty like kind of isolated booth that they could find and when they sat down they pulled out the chrysalis uh, blueprints to their headquarters and then covered them with, I assume he carries like two or three books on him, like his journal, plus like a couple other like research uh, books around the Paragon War and placed them kind of strategically on the blueprints to cover like identifying sections. So the part that labels it as like the chrysalis headquarters and like other sort of spaces. And they've been sitting here trying to fill in the missing pieces. So you mentioned that the blueprints in the basement are mostly empty. So based on his memory of having been down there, Jaron is trying to fill in the rest of the blueprints. Have inspiration for that. Uh, as your hand's gripping, let's say, like a piece of charcoal or a pencil or something, and you're hunched over this blueprint in like a corner of the smoky tavern just working, right? Um, I think... As you're trying to fill in like the cages, let's say like sketching out like a rough estimate of how many there are, how big this chamber is, where you approximate it is in relation to the stairwell. I think like you just hear like Adam's voice, I think like ring in your head again. Like, just remember, you promised to think about it, right? You just hear that line ringing through your head. And I think like you're like staring down at this paper as you're gripping this pencil. How do you shake it off? I think it's hard. I think it's really hard because Jaron has been thinking not just about that line, but about the vision that Adam showed them back in his office. Like the one of this future where everything's fine, the paragons are alive, you know, everybody is happy, the hounds are together. And I think maybe that's kind of like, maybe it's not even necessarily that he's like shaken it off, but he finds a different thing to fixate on. And it's that vision that he chooses to sort of like replay over and over and over in his head. So we just see Jaron like hunched in a shadowy corner of this tavern, gripping a pencil, eyes kind of unfocused, looking down at this map, right? And we push it on your unfocused eyes to see this vision, this beautiful utopic future where you and Oka are together and happy and safe. And so are all the hounds and there's no problems anymore. And the stranger's gone. And you just hear Adam's head, like voice ringing through this mindscape. Just think about it. Just think about it, Jaron. 
Jaron, you promised you'd just think about it. Just think about it. And on each iteration of this phrase, you just sort of see Oka's happy face flashing by, right? Just think about it. And then, like, Oka's, like, like laughing face flashing by. Just think about it. And then, like, Oka's back, right, turned to you as you're, like, cuddling them in bed. Just think about it. And then Oka turned over underneath you as you're wrestling with them, right, laughing. Just think about it. Think about it. Oka, right? It. Think about what you're trying to protect. Oka, right? Just think about it. Think about Oka. But what are you trying to protect Oka from? From dying, right? Because of because of the Paragon Prophecy. Think about it. Think about Oka dying from the Paragon Prophecy, right? What are you trying to protect? Oka dying from the Paragon Prophecy, right? Just think about it. It. Oka dying. Dying. Oka. Oka dying. Oka dying. Oka. Hey, Jeron. Yeah. Uh, and Jeron will look up. Mercy? What are you doing here? And we cut now to the monster fighting pits. Gentle, you and Oka stand side by side in the middle of this, like, dirt patio, this massive field. All around you are just bleachers and seats packed to the gills with hundreds, if not like a thousand different spectators, all wearing masks, cheering, their fists pounding the air, all of them, every single mouth wide open, chanting, butcher, 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 as standing before you, the two of you see Bud. His big, wet, black eyes like lychee pits glistening with glee as his sharp claws blood-stained teeth and fur laced with dust and gore sort of just ruffle and sort of go akimbo as he just rips into this person this chrysalis agent right that was caught and thrown into the pit with you and I see like rips up like a piece of, of gore and bites into it and spits it back out we see this like black leather collar kind of studded with sharp white spikes that's new around his neck and there's like a little like gold like coin like a a name tag like glimmering on the front with a b etched into it the chrysalis agent has stopped screaming at this point stopped moving stopped spurting blood even bud looks up a muzzle stained with red and gore we see these floppy gray ears uh one of which is pierced actually, uh, glimmering with this like ruby red jewelry, flop up, and his eyes fix on you, gentle. But? Roll animal handling. Oh, my baby boy, what have they done to you? Alright, so my best roll was a 21. 21. As you say Bud's name, this butcher, this Bud, cocks his gray furred head to the side and you see recognition glimmer in his like shining wet black eyes and a tongue flops out and he begins like barreling toward you right like the paws like flopping over the dirt like running toward you right which might be a terrifying vision i think for anyone else to encounter like a massive bloodstained direwolf coming at you but you just want to see like his ears up his tails up and looks happy to see you and is wagging as he's like coming toward you uh do you let him just sort of like bowl you over as he's like trying I to come up on you? Race for it, but otherwise, yes. Bud has gotten a lot bigger and a lot stronger, right? He was kind of like maybe an adolescent, a uh, pre-adolescent dire wolf when you last saw him. Now he's like almost like fully adult, right? Uh, which is like the size of a horse, maybe like a big horse. He puts his two p- front paws up and bam, like slams down on you, right? Like licking you all over. So just make a strength save to see if you can. Stand your ground. 
Do I have anything for it? Because I braced. Is Oka helping in some way? Oka has never met Bud before. So they're kind of pant, like they're still panting, watching this go down. And I think it's only when Gentle says, Bud, does the math start mathing? And they just kind of go, oh, no. But I don't think they're helping. They're kind of, they've taken a few steps back. If not, then I got a 14. You fall to the ground. <laughs> like you're back, like, like a board, like bam, like slamming onto the ground. Bud is immediately on you, like licking you, right? There's like confusion in the stands. Oka, you can hear people like murmuring, being like, what's going on? Like shouting, right? Like the gnomish like announcers going, oh, it appears that Butcher has gone for another victim, is, is eating the mast. Wait, hold on. Wait a minute, it's not. That's not an attack. What's what's happening here? And like there's like some murmuring, right? As Bud's just like licking your face and sort of like finally backs off, right? Like nails kind of scrabbling at you. Clearly not trying to hurt you, but he's gotten a lot bigger and doesn't seem to just realize how heavy and strong he's become. So his claws just kind of dig into you and maybe draw a little bit of blood. I'm not gonna have you take damage, but like for flavor, he's like digging into your armor and like licking you, like snapping a little bit at you in excitement, right? Drool getting on your face and someone else's blood too. Uh, hey, hey, back off. No, Get, no, 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 no. It's I, it's fine. It's fine. I like slide my mask off. I'm like, hey, hey, bud. I, gentle. I like, just like pet Gentle. I, how are you? Gentle, gentle, gentle. And like Bud's I, just like licking your face, right? And, like so big. Hi, 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 hi. Uh, what, you, you've gotten so big. What what's happened? I Bud Bud jumps off of you and does like a play bow, right? And is like jumping from side to side and it goes, gentle, 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 hi, hi. Did you see? Did you see me? Did you see me back there? And like Bud is looking between you and the ripped up remains of the chrysalis agent. Did you see me? Did you see me? I did. I did. I I did. Um Did I do I good? Think did I... I do good? This is a complicated question you asked me. Gentle, what's is this? Oh, Bud. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bud, I need you to meet Oka. You never got to meet them. I thought you said they were a puppy. Bud got bigger. Bud turns his massive head toward you, Oka. And this is the first time you've seen Bud. And you don't see the puppy that Bud came from. You just see a massive direwolf that can talk. Uh, weirdly enough, like, is speaking common, right? Like, you don't know how that's happening, but maybe you're just accepting it. Uh, and you just see these massive, predatory, pure black eyes that maybe remind you of Bulette's eyes or a shark's eyes, right? And these huge, like, gnashing, sharpened teeth and these claws just studded with someone else's blood and flesh. Oka? Hello, Oka. Oka's a friend? Good? I don't have to yeah. kill Oka? No, 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 no. No, remember how we were going all across, like, everywhere to go find Oka? Oka <gasps> was dating dating Jaron, that whole thing. I do remember. Wait, the dog knows that I'm dating Jaron? Bud is more yes. than a dog. Jaron, Jaron smelled like Oka. That is the smell. And, like, Bud comes closer, like, big wet nose sniffing you up and down, like, maybe getting some, like, wetness, like, on your body, right, up and down. Oh, you smell, you smell like what we were chasing after. I remember. Oka, Oka. Uh, hi. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Oka kind of, like, pu pushes his nose away uh, to get away from those big choppers. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you, gentle. Why didn't you come I'm... earlier? It 
took a while to get here. Okay. Can I insight check that okay? <laughs> yes, you can. Oh no, my son's disappointed in me. That is a 19. Bud seems to be taking what you're saying at face value, but you get the sense that there's something deeper here. Okay, like as you look at like the collar, like the little pierced ear, like the glee glinting in Bud's eyes as he like he was ripping that person apart. Something has changed for sure with Bud. Uh, and as your eyes fall upon that glinting like B plate on the collar, it twists and you see the back of it says Sybil. Hey, Bud, um, how has Sybil been treating you? Sybil, Sybil's great. I love Sybil. Sybil's your friend, right? Sybil said they were your friend. Sybil is a friend of Sitlali. Oh, yes, Sitlali. Sybil does like Sitlali. Sybil talks about Sitlali quite a lot. Sybil's great. I get to eat all kinds of bones. I have a lot of fun and playtime here every day because of Sybil. And Sybil says, I'm a good boy for doing everything I've done so far and gives me lots of treats and lots of snuggles and hugs every day. That's good. And I'm glad Sybil took care of you for a little bit, but are you ready to join the hounds again? Uh, at that, Bud just quirks his, like, massive head to the side. Those ears flop over, right? Sort of maybe, like, invert a little to show some pink. Join the hounds? What do you mean? Well, go back with me and Drawn and Titlali and Oka and Mercy and help Ndake. Aren't, aren't you staying here? Isn't that why you're here? To come and stay with me and play with me forever? I wanted us to go explore more of the world. And, I mean, we have to go back to Morose at least once so you can see home. Home. And a kind of faraway look comes over Bud's face, right? And there's like a crinkle between Bud's brow and he sort of sees like their big floppy jaw sort of droop a little. Home. And, like, they shake their head, like, and the ears sort of flop side to side. I am home. Here. With Sybil. And I think maybe at that, a different voice projects over the arena, very different from the gnome. Lady Saram's voice rings out, prim and proper as a rose with thorns. Attendees of the pits, thank you so much for placing your bets and patronizing our establishment today. We do have to clear the arena for, uh, cleaning. And there's, like, a uh, laughter, right, from the arena, like, when she says this. So please, drop your final bets to the bookies and enjoy the gambling parlor. Uh, and, like, there's sort of, like, a massive movement as people start getting up, right, filtering out, like, up and out of, like, stairs and, like, various, like, exits, right, entrances and exits, circulating this entire Coliseum-like structure. And Bud looks up and says, oh, 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 uh, I need to go and get my fur scrubbed and my teeth cleaned, and I have a bunch of, um, I think Sybil calls them manservants, uh, to attend to me and help me. Would you like to meet them? Yes. Uh, Gentle, I, I think we need to go talk to Lady Saram, maybe about all of this. Yeah, yeah, um, well, but, um, I have to go have a little meeting thing, but I wanted you to have this, and I reach into, uh, my bag, and I give Bud, uh, the wooden, like, the big wooden dice 
that he used to chew on when he was little, uh, back in the ball. I saved these so I could give them back to you. Um, and I want you to have one. Oh. Uh, Bud's eyes fall down on this big wooden dice, which maybe still has, like, chew marks, you know, from, like, when Bud would gnaw on it. Cocks his head to the side, like, drops his head down, sniffs it. Oh, I remember this. This was a toy from when I was a baby. I was a pup. Yeah, I saved it for you, because I knew I was gonna come find you. Oh. Gentle, I need you to roll... Ugh. There's no good skill for this. I guess it would be persuasion. Roll, roll charisma oh, persuasion for fudge. me. Yeah. Oh, that's such a bad gentle skill. I got a four, man. Bud sniffs it and says, huh, Thanks for holding on to it, gentle, but I'm not a pup anymore. You can keep it. Okay. Well, since I'll see you in a little bit, can I okay. just give you a hug before we go? Of course! And Bud bounds up to you, snuggles you, like rubs against you, like licks you, nuzzles, right? Uh, but then pulls away before you're ready, I think. And says, all right, I have to go get cleaned by my manservants now. Bye, Gentle, it was so good to see you! Uh, and Bud turns around, blasely, and just sort of like casually gallops off, like back the way he came, like toward that portcullis. I think Gentle just looks really dejected and... Like, their entire body just shrinks into themselves. <sighs> Oka leans down and picks up one of the wooden dice, I think, and they turn it over in their hands, kind of feeling the grooves of these, like, bite marks and claw marks. And they look at Gentle, and even behind the mask, it's very clear in their face that they don't really know what to say. But they kind of get close and, like, sling an arm over Gentle's shoulder to, like, help keep them up. And it's like, I take it that was Bud. I mean, you introduced me, but mm -hmm. I know how hard it is when things change without you. Thank you. I'm going to get him back still, no matter what. I think that's a good idea. He might be happy, but I don't think he's well. Hard to trust someone named Sybil the Cool, you know? Yeah, that was maybe not something I would have done. Um, it's not your fault, Gentle. You're, you have a really good heart. Oka, what do you do when you're so angry? I just want to, like, break everything. I usually break stuff. But Gentle. And they take both of, I think, they kind of move around to stand in front of you, and they take both of their hands and cup like both of your cheeks if you'll allow it mm -hmm. it has never once made me feel better it makes me angrier because I can't get it out it's too big okay hurting other people hurting the world around you it won't make you feel better think if there's anyone I needed to hear that from, it's you. Things have changed. a lot. <sighs> Fuck, you're telling me. It hurts. <laughs> Fucking hurts, gentle. It hurts to change. But it feels better than hurting everything else. We can do this. Okay, Lady Saram is fucking terrifying. But they're a captain. 
they'll be able to help us get Bud back. What do you need me to do to help with this talk? Lady Saram wants something from me, from us. We just need to figure out what it is that will make her not kill us. Okay, I can, I can do that. I can help however you need me to help. Thank you. I, I need your help, gentle. I do. I'll help with no question. And for you. Thank you. Okay, let's taste Mahu's fucking rage now. I, I think just to sort of end this out, I think Gentle does stand up straight and you, once again, you can always see they're a decently amount taller than Oka and they do uh, get their hair back in the titular ponytail. Um, and they feel a bit more steeled after all of that. And they're on their own feet. Oka and Gentle, as the two of you turn to face Lady Saram in the stands, at this point, she and her lavish retinue of bodyguards uh, and lieutenants, right, and servants that are always swarming her are some of the only people left in the arena. Like, the last stragglers are, like, filing out. And all of you just sort of hear, like, the distant metallic ka-chum, ka-chum, ka-chum of various portcullises, like, slamming shut to, like, block the exits and entrances into and out of this place. And she's sort of up on the stands looking down at the two of you in the arena. She's got her parasol up uh, in this like frilly, like pink and black with lots of lace, kind of like Lolita fashion, just like the last time you saw her, Oka. Uh, She sort of twirls her parasol like to side and side and side as the two of you approach or look up at her. And she addresses you first, Oka, looking down at you. Oka Hien. Formerly exiled prince of Tulongan nobility. Second born. My, 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 my. I thought royalty would be more conscientious about paying back their debt. I'm here to pay it back. Almost a year later, that is not looking good for the reputation of your mother-father. I don't think we need to play with my mother-father's reputation, nor anything other than my own. You're right. After all, your own title carries weight, doesn't it? One of the heroes of Dabathati, Queller of the Rage, Paragon of Sen. You're very clever, Lady Saram. And you sort of see, like, her one sharp crimson eye, like, glinting out from behind her, like, bone-white bangs as she says this, right? Uh, the smooth leather of her eye patch on the other one, also, like, glinting the torchlight around. Hmm. So you've come here to strike a deal, no? I have. And please do keep in mind that I have added interest to what I'm offering. She raises a perfectly manicured eyebrow at that. Karishma tells me that you're having a chrysalis problem. A infestation of bugs, perhaps we could call it. Hmm, an infestation that one of your own planted on your way out, no? It's true. It is true. I can't deny it. But when we first got here, well, the chrysalis was already here. They would have become a problem either way, eventually. You know this to be true, I think. You know enough about them, how they work, no? <laughs> to know your enemy is to know yourself. Let me help you with this chrysalis problem. My title carries weight, no? Hero of Dabathati, Paragon of Sen. 
on behest of the Alliance of the Eight. I'll bring you Adam's fucking head. A calculating smile sort of cuts open her face. <laughs> and she like exhales sharply through her nose. Now that might just be enough for payment with interest. I am, after all, the Aurochs Guild's bookkeeper. Leave us. Uh, and with that, like, almost all of her servants and bodyguards leave, except for, like, one or two that seem to be, like, her trusted right and left hands, right? They just, they leave and they get out of there. And as soon as they're gone, Lady Saram says, I don't just want the chrysalis disbanded. I need something else. Captain Dovrenier is missing. I suspect she's been kidnapped by the chrysalis. Return her to us safe and sound and deliver Adam's head on a silver platter to me personally. And I will see to it that the debt is settled. And her like crimson eye falls upon you, gentle. Perhaps I will have a chat with one of my fellow captains about whether or not Butcher stays or leaves. Can I at least know what Sybil did to Bud? Sybil does what Sybil does to all fun little toys they collect. Make it their own. You know, <laughs> I've actually known Sybil since we were children. They used to take dolls and cut off all their arms and legs and stitch the arms and legs of other dolls onto the bodies of old ones. They've grown out of dolls. They like animals, exotic pets now. And they aren't so grotesque as to harm their animals, but what they do is, I think, show the new friends under their employ, I think, the beauty of what they call violence. <laughs> I'm not so base as to enjoy such indulgences as Sybil, but I don't interfere in Sybil's business, and they don't interfere in mine. But in this case, you'd be willing to make an exception for Bud. I will talk to Sybil. I, like, awkwardly bow. I don't think thank you. You are very, very welcome. Much better than a couple of broken automatons. Yes, much. I would do it myself. Send my own agents in to infiltrate the conference beginning tomorrow. But unfortunately, two out of three consoles actively seek to thwart our efforts. They have a running tally of all major Aurochs operatives. Unfortunately, even the best flesh-changing magic wouldn't be able to hide them from such rigorous inspection, but your group have the benefit of anonymity. And you, Oka, are well-liked in the city. You're a hero of the people. You'll be able to walk through the conference with no problem. Right. No problem at all. I did, of course, hear about your unfortunate, uh, exploding letter incident. <laughs> fame is a double-edged sword, Oka. I don't know if I would call it fame so much as... expectation. Reputation, then, let's say, as a fair middle ground. Fine, then. I'll play your champion once again, and set things back. Good. That's all we want. Our interests are aligned, you see. The Chrysalis intends to shake things up, take advantage of the Cataclysm, whereas we, the Aurochs, merely seek to restore balance to Dabathati, to Talmad, to Endake, you know? Just like you. 
just like the Alliance of the Eight? I would not go so far as to call us direct allies. But I fought in these monster pits more times than I care to admit. Hmm. <laughs> I thought I recognized your fighting style from somewhere long, long ago. Well then, let's call ourselves situational friends. Situational friends it is. <laughs> Good. Now unless there's anything else, I have a date with a manicurist. Please. And I think the second that she turns away, Oka, who I think still had a hand on Gentle's back, and at the second that Lady Saram said that Old Mama Lightning was missing, the hand started to tremble a little bit on Gentle's back. And the second that she turns around, Oka also turns around to like face Gentle really closely. Like they're almost like shadowed underneath Gentle and they like, they bite their knuckle really hard, I think to keep from yelling. Uh, and they just like bite down uh, so much that they like draw blood and they like, like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, Gentle does just do quiet motions for like steadying Oka's breathing just to follow along too. Yeah, and I think, Gentle, you watch as, like, the blood that kind of was, dr like, drawn from Oka biting down on their knuckle to keep from kind of crying out starts to, like, lift off of their skin and almost, like, float around their face for a moment before Oka kind of, like, releases their hand and then closes their eyes and something about them kind of, like, shifts and there's this really heady smell of necromancy and grave dirt and rust and blood and power and lightning and storm as Oka literally schools the force their heartbeat back down uh, and it almost like becomes clear in their face and they open their eyes again we need to go find everyone else and on that we cut back to the seedy hole in the wall tavern Jaron you look up at Mercy uh, who's sort of like peering down at you from one eye patch lady to another, right? Like with like a wrinkle of concern on her face. And she's sort of like leaning over you, right? Like sh her muscular shadow falling over like the map that you ceased to draw on. Hey, you okay, kid? You look kind of spaced out there for like 15 minutes. I came in, saw you, thought it'd be funny if I snuck up on you, but you were just sort of staring off into the middle distance. Know what I mean? I was just thinking... Mercy, what are you doing here? And Jaron like takes off the off of his head and like tries to very casually place it on the map in front of them. Mercy goes on like unbidden to say, well, I wanted to find you and talk to you. It's about various stuff. And I realized we never said where we were going to reconvene. So I decided to go where Jaron would go, which is the shittiest tavern in town. And this is the shittiest tavern in town. So lo and behold, here you are. What were you drawing on? I have good taste. This is the best tavern in town. You didn't answer my question. Sorry, what was your question again? What were you drawing on? Aren't you supposed to be the smart one, Jaron? I am the smart one. And Jaron uh, tries to like, like pulls over uh, one of the uh, one of the books that he keeps around with him on like the Paragon War and turns it around and like shows it to Mercy and I assume it it's got like notes written in the margins from all of the times that Jaron has been reading it and stuff. You and your gay little quest to save all the Paragons. That's what this is about. 
should have known. And Mercy like pulls up a stool and like like scoots in like at the table, like rocking the table a little bit as she like puts down a big stein of beer like right next to you, like the foam frothing over. Ugh, I try to get one of the uh, the soma things, you know, real good. It's real hallucinogenic, but fifty gold for a little shot glass, tiny hey, hey, little watch shot where, glass of one of those. Watch where you're putting that. And Jerome like scrambles up the the chrysalis map and tries to like start folding it up. Watch where you're putting that. What? It's just beer. <laughs> and this is paper. If it gets wet, I will lose all of my research. Oh, come on. I've got blood and shit and mud and whatever kicked all over my documents about monsters and their locations and whatnot. Grow a spine. And this is why you can never actually use those notes. I've been telling you for ages to nah, get I don't a better need system. I just trust my gut instead, or I get Sit Lolly to parse my notes for me. Of course you do. And this is why you get stabbed so often, Mercy. That was one time, and her hand goes over like her gut where someone stabbed her again. <sighs> Listen, I uh, wanted to talk to you about um, <clears throat> Sitlali, and like a kind of like dark look falls over Mercy's face, puts her elbows on on the table and leans in. You said that you were gonna go check up on her. Um, how are they? Uh, fine, I presume. Uh, they still haven't sent anything to me, sending-wise or whatever. Uh, I swung by the Queen's Gambit, you know, didn't see them anywhere. Tried not to look too suspicious, I think I pulled it off pretty well, asking after Captain Sybil the Cruel. I did get turned away, though, but punched a couple suckers in the face because of it. Um, and then I just started going through the fancy parts of Dabithati, you know, f fancy restaurants, fancy taverns, fancy pleasure palaces, looking for Sitlali, followed a little, what I like to call, a uh, stink trail. Smelling everywhere Sybil's ever been, huh? Didn't find anything, uh, Sitlali-wise, that is. So I assume they've been, uh, preoccupied in Sybil's private quarters, which is fine. It's been, what, like, 12 hours? It's okay. I've gone for longer. Uh, that's not the point. Mercy, I... why are you telling me this? I want to talk to you about Sitlali, okay? It's <sighs> important. Okay. Listen, Jaron, uh... <clears throat> Grief is, a uh, grief is funny. Yeah? After Jikyat broke up with me, I keyed her ice cow. I'm not proud of it, but I did. Uh, and I feel like maybe, you know, after you lost Oka, you went a little off your rocking chair a little bit. I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to check in. Mercy, does this have a point? Yes, the point is I'm worried about you, Jaron, and everything that happened last night clearly has still not been settled, and I want to start to maybe help settle it. Uh, this is weird. Why are you worried about me? Because you're unwell. Drawn, you are very, very, very unwell. First, you've I'm... lost both of your parents, with whom you have had, I think, a great relationship uh, before the Cataclysm, and he just lost both of them, like, snap, snap, like that. Okay, maybe your relationship wasn't great, but it was better than mine, which was, you know, we saw that when Wuming took us to the through the dream, whatever. First, that's point number one. Evidence exhibit A for why you're unwell. Exhibit B, the whole Oka shapeshift sex sitlali thing. That's exhibit B. Uh, exhibit C, you are now obsessed with trying to stop Oka's prophesized death. Which, listen, I'm I feel I am of two minds of that endeavor, okay? If you can present me with some solid evidence with a plan that will actually work, maybe. Because I don't want to lose Oka either, okay? They're annoying, but they're great. And I get it. And 
don't tell them I said this, but I do love and care about them very deeply. In a very different way than you, mind you. But that's exhibit C. What does that mean? So A plus B plus C equals you're fucked in the head about all this stuff. And I just want to make sure that you're okay. Mercy, I'm fine, first of all. The Sitlali thing wasn't just me. Sitlali oh my god, stop lying to yourself, Jaron. You are so annoying when you say, oh, I'm fine, oh, it's fine. Sleeping with Sitlali just turned into Oka was totally okay. Losing my parents to a boiling lake was totally fine and didn't affect me that bad at all. Losing Oka and having them back in the same breath was also totally fine. Learning that Oka's prophesized that I is also totally okay. You're lying to yourself. You're in denial. I know what denial looks like. Everything is not okay with you. And I think at that, Jaron just kind of takes this big sigh and then puts his head, like, elbows up on the table, like, head in his hands. <sighs> Mercy. There we go. Yeah, let it out, kid. Let it out. And look, all of that aside, I can't change any of that, so I'm trying to focus on what I can change. Jaron, you want If you want to help Mercy, then maybe you could help me by figuring out this prophecy. Maybe we... If you want to help, help me here. Yeah, for all the fucked up things Jikyat put me through, something she said that's always stuck with me about myself is, Mercy, you don't deal with your problems. You just put them in a box and shove them to the side. What I think's happening with you, Jaron, is you're not dealing with your problems either. You're just trying to fix them instead of processing your emotions. I don't want to think about it, Mercy. When I didn't think about my emotions, Jaron, I went on a rage-fueled, violent explosion, explosion where I almost killed the guy that, the person that killed my family, the monsters who raised me in the chasm, I almost killed him. I beat up all his friends and I, I destroyed him. That was not okay. I mean, he deserved it, yeah, but that was a real bad way for me to process my emotions and a case study in what happens when you don't. But you didn't kill him. Mercy scoots in closer and, like, lowers like her head to like look at you like her one good eye like peering at you right and like it's almost like the noise of the tavern dies down as she looks at you like her one tusk peeking out i was this close to killing him jaron and she raises a hand with like just like a bare millimeter of space between her fingers i was this close to becoming a murderer i was this close from an act that would define who I was for the rest of my life, whether I liked it or not. I just don't want you to make the same mistake. I don't want you to go down this road and do something you regret. So what do you want me to do, Mercy? Talk Oka to me. Is... Talk to me about how you're feeling, Jaron. Talk to me. Listen, when I was 30 years old, uh, I met an old woman on a mountain, actually, in the Godspine. And Mercy starts to launch into, like, a seemingly unrelated, like, anecdote. And as she does, Jaron, 
Mercy, like you're listening to her at first talk about this woman and hiking through the woods and you're like, where the hell is the story going? But her like voice starts to like, I think fade out a little bit. And so do the voices of all the other tavern goers. Like the smoke of, you know, various hookahs being puffed on like almost seems to like sway in front of your like vision. And like as Mercy goes on and on and you're like, you know, like trying to focus on her words, you hear a different voice cut in through your head. Adam's voice. Just sort of like, just creep in again, just go, just think about it. Jaron, just think about it. Think about it. Think about Oka. Think about Oka dying. Think about saving Oka from dying. Think about Oka. Oka dying. Think about it. Oka dying. Oka dying. Killing. Oka dying. Killing Oka. Think about killing Oka. Think about Oka dying. Think about it. Think about Oka dying, killing. And like, again, it's Mercy's voice who snaps you back, I think, into awareness of your body. And she's going, whoa, Jerron, what, dude? Uh, and as you like, like everything, like all the noises like come back in like loud and clear, like blaring like truck horns around you. And there's something hard in your right hand. And when you glance down at it, uh, you see Kane's dagger uh, that you don't know when, you don't know how, uh, that you unsheathed from on your person somewhere, but you're gripping the hilt very, very tightly, and you're sort of like, have it half raised, like off the table, almost like pointed vaguely in Mercy's direction. Whoa, listen, I know I'm kind of long-winded when I tell stories, but it wasn't that bad, right? Jaron's hand starts shaking, the one that's holding the dagger, and I don't think that they're even looking at Mercy or able to focus on the fact that Mercy's here. I think their eyes are like glued to this dagger and they're confused. And they're just looking at it and it's shaking and they kind of like lower their hand. Remember, Mercy's here. I'm talking to somebody. I'm, I'm sorry. What were you saying? I was telling you an anecdote about processing emotions that I learned from some old hermit in the Godspine. But you okay? Yeah. Um, sorry, I think the... There's a lot of smoke in, in here, I think. I think maybe we should go. Don't you yeah, love let's, smoking? Let's Oka smokes all the time, and you're not bothered by that. No, I think there's there's something, and I think uh, they, like, push back out of their chair. Um, Dagger, I think, still in hand. Like, like, I think just, like, scrambling up, like, his journal, but, like, maybe, like, forgetting a couple of books, like, scrambling just out of there. Like, he's rushing out. Whoa, okay, I, we gotta pay our tab, the frickin' uh, hey, sorry, yeah, yep, and, like, Mercy, like, slaps down some bronze pieces, like, onto the counter and gets up and, like, rushes after you, uh, like, follows you out into the street. Uh, as the two of you hustle toward the entrance-slash-exit of this tavern and you bustle the door open, you run into Oka and Gentle. Drawn. You and Mercy stand startled at the threshold of this hole-in-the-wall tavern, almost like colliding into Oka and Gentle, who are on their way in. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Uh, hey, hey, perfect. We found you. This is the fucking worst bar in town. I knew you'd be here. We need to, we need to leave. Come on, let's go. Oh, what? Andron is like trying to the barkeep push or something. No, no, there's, we need to, we need to leave. We need to go right now. Let's just, can we go anywhere? Anywhere else, please. I Jaron just really doesn't like the puka flavors, I guess, they have in the smoke in there. It is pretty nauseating, not gonna lie. Those are 
some low quality. Uh, Mercy, shut up. And uh, Oka kind of like runs, jogs a little bit after Jaron and kind of like just kind of peeks and sidles up next to them. Hey, hey, what's what's going on? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm I'm fine. Uh, we just uh, let's go to the hotel. And Jaron, I think, goes in like the incorrect direction towards the hotel. Uh, love, our hotel room exploded. That is also not the way to where the Harpy Hotel is. Right. Uh, where are we? Where are we supposed to be staying again? Let's just <laughs> wherever wherever that is. Please, just let's let's go there. Okay. Those books really boggled you. What? Uh, the books from your studying session? Books. Right. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of really new, confusing information. Um. How was uh? Jerron, Jerron, I'm gonna stop you there. Roll deception. <laughs> I'm gonna stop you there. And Oka and Gentle, if you want, you can roll insight. I got an 11. I got a natural one. Uh, I got, I, <laughs> I rolled a three, but with my math, that makes that a 13. So, wow. as always, I catch you. Oka is blinded by the Jerusi, uh, but Gentle understands that there's something amiss here. So gentle is my has been my best friend since childhood after all I feel like it makes sense yep. that gentle would clock me immediately yeah Jaron how what does gentle see uh that's maybe signaling to them that something's amiss I think uh obviously Jaron is like kind of panicking a little bit right now like they're very flighty very distracted and I think the way that Gentle is able to catch that Jaron is not quite being honest, despite the fact that they aren't really um, like able to fully pay attention to this conversation, is the way that when Oka asks about like the books and like how was research, even though they're like kind of looking around all over the place, they their eyes linger on Oka's for I think a beat too long before they answer, and you can see in their face this like they're thinking about like what do I say? What do I say? Oka, meanwhile, I think, just kind of, like, softens, and they reach up, uh, and they kind of, like, stroke your cheek. Uh, and they're- they, you asked about the monster hunting pits, they're covered in, like, black gore, just kind of down the front of their shirt, because they're disgusting and a monster. Uh, but they do reach up and kind of, like, brush a little bit of hair out of Jaron's face. <laughs> oh, thanks for working so hard. Uh, we have some things we need to tell everyone, too. We should get back to the secret garden as soon as possible. Oh. Mercy, where's Sitlali? Uh, Sitlali's fine. They're still enjoying their date, prolonged 24-hour date by this point with Sybil. They're okay. Oka makes this face, uh, and as they turn away from Mercy, they go, well, should you start choosing a new second? What was that? Uh, just you seem to forget about your last one so fast. Sitlali's been gone for, what, 24 hours? I think it's probably time for you to choose a new one. Excuse me? What? Did I stutter? Um, can we not do this here? Mercy shoves past Gentle uh, and like sort of gets up in your face a little bit, Oka, like towering over you, looking down at you and says, is there a problem, Oka? And Oka holds her gaze. And I think every other time they turned away, grumbled something about there not being a problem. It's just the perfect collision point right now. Just the perfect collision point. They're so fucking stressed out. Yeah, Mercy. I think there is a fucking problem. Well, are you gonna say it? Or are you gonna keep looking at me like you've got shit shoved up your ass? Are you serious? Are you kidding me, Mercy? What? You told me! 
You told me, Inujad, that I would always have a place with the hounds. You told me that you would wait. You told me to do what I needed to do, and you would be there for me when I came back. And what? I'm gone for a month, and you decide that I've abandoned you? I waited for seven fucking years, Mercy, to see my family. I waited a lifetime with my soul literally shattered into fucking pieces. But when I leave for a few months trying to make the world safer for the people I love, you throw me to the wind? You find out that I'm supposed to die in the most terrifying way fucking possible, and you don't even wait until I'm in my grave to name a new second? Did I mean nothing to you? You throw it in my face when I'm here again? Like I... Like I don't already know that you're gonna forget me when I'm gone? Like I know that I'm not gonna get to go to the after? That I'm gonna die for a world that's not gonna have me? That's my fucking problem, Mercy. Is that I can see everything that I don't get to have. You just shove it in my face. That's my fucking problem. I think some silence, like a beat of like silence stretches as you're just sort of like panting and like all the words that have been like pent up inside you, behind your sternum, in front of your heart, come blowing out of you, right? Mercy stands there for that beat, looking at you wordlessly. Like her face is unreadable, right? She was pissed off at the beginning of your like diatribe, but like toward the end of it, like her like angry lines have like just sort of hardened into this like unreadable expression. And then like without a word, she steps forward and she hugs you. And Oka's shoulders kind of shake, I think, as they start to cry. Uh, just, like, against her chest. Captain Duvernier is kidnapped by the Chrysalis. And they're gonna kill her. Mercy, they're gonna kill her. Wait, what do you... What do you mean they're gonna kill her? It, what, oh, wait, she's with the Chrysalis? Wait, but why haven't they killed her already? Why... The conference. You don't think they're... Oka. And Mercy, like, releases you from the hug, right? And says, When Gentle and Sitlali and I stopped to talk to that chrysalis, tiefling, grace, whatever, she mentioned something about uh, a miracle that they were planning to unveil or something uh, during the conference. Do you think that's related to Old Mama Lightning? What better and brighter miracle to prove their power to all of Dabathati and all of Ndake after hearing about the Alliance of the Eight than to kill a paragon in front of everyone? And they look small and scared. There are too many eyes and ears here. Let's continue this conversation in the secret garden. I think at the mention of uh, old Mama Lightning being kidnapped by the Chrysalis, Jaron's attention had kind of been caught by the conversation that was being had, and not wanting to intervene in clearly something that is important going on between Mercy and Oka, um, they just pulled their dubata back over their face and like covered it and like continued walking. Gentle, I think with your higher insight roll than Jaron's deception, you're the only one who notices that. 
I think I keep up with Jaron. I at least know. I'd assume everyone would go meet up at the Secret Garden anyway, so I could help guide Jaron back there if he's having issues figuring out where to go. Uh, hey, Jaron? Yes, gentle. Um, are you okay? Jaron responds in Morosi, I think. No, but I will be. Come on, we just, we need to get out of here. Let's go. I respond in Morosi. Uh, do you want to try to get to the garden first so we can talk through what is going on? Sure, just any anything that will just get us get us out of here, get us somewhere, just else. Yes, yes, yeah. please. Um, I'll lead the way. And I think as the two of you peel off ahead of Mercy and Oka, we actually push back through the crowd, the evening crowd, I think, like to find Mercy and Oka again. And like as Mercy, like, you know, has been talking with you, looking at you, she just goes, Oka, listen, what you said earlier about being replaced, me not waiting... I... I'm sorry. It was never my intention to replace you. We all thought you were dead, okay? I... Well, they thought you were dead. I, I knew better. Uh, but there was a part of me... There was a part of me that was worried you wouldn't come back. Okay? That you'd gone off to heed some greater destiny than just mercy and the hounds and our little small-time monster hunting ragtag group. I don't know, Oka, in Nujad, there was something in your eyes, something in your face, and the people you were with that just seemed so much bigger than catching bulettes. Know what I mean? I was worried you wouldn't come back. Mercy... What's the fucking point of doing something greater if, at the end of it, I don't get to catch bulettes? <laughs> you were an incredible second. But you're not... you're not my second anymore. Not because I tried to replace you immediately after you left, but because the world needs something else from you right now, Oka. The world doesn't need Oka Hye second to Mercy and the Hounds of Mercy. The world needs Prince Oka Hien, Paragon of Sen, Savior of Endake, okay? Fine. Fine. You're right. I'm sorry. I... No, it's okay. I... I'd be pissed if I were you, too. But for what it's worth, I waited... I waited a long time before naming a second second. Um, to the extent that Jaron, Sitlali, and Gentle was getting very, very annoyed uh, and frustrated. I wasn't ready to let you go yet. So if it matters, if it's worth anything, I waited. Thanks, Mercy. But if I'm not your second, then we need to find... We need to find your actual second. Right. And on that, I think we cut to the secret garden. Uh, amid all the foliage, the blooming petals in, in full summer, despite it being deep winter at this point, uh, the cawing of birds, the gl glimmering beaks of toucans, uh, the cracking of nuts, the gurgling of a low brook, push through the fronds of petals and whatnot to find Jaron and Gentle, uh, traipsing your way through this garden to find your, I think, resting spot again. Uh, you beat Oka and Mercy here. What do the two of you do? I think um, if Jaron and Gentle are going to, like, talk, I think Jaron would have gone to the pond that is in the middle of the secret garden 
would have like rolled up his pants, uh, put his like legs inside of the pond, and just like lied down on the grass. Uh, I think I've just been quietly like healing and all the bruises I have away from the fight. Um, and I think once again, my hair is down, my mask is off, I've like washed my face, and I am also just laying down. And I, I don't know, I feel small again, but like not in a bad way, just comfortable. Gentle, I, I don't know what to do, gentle. Do you want to start at the beginning? of everything that's got you troubled, and I think I also hand you the, uh, balm I made earlier. I think Jaron is just kind of, like, moving this balm from hand to hand, like, just distractedly, like, playing with it instead of putting it on. And this entire conversation, I imagine, is happening in Morosi. The beginning. I don't even know what that is. All I can think about is Oka. And... Nobody, nobody seems to be thinking about the same thing. I just, I need to know what to do, gentle. I need to know how to, how to not feel this way. It's like, it's like they're already dead, gentle. And every day I just watch them dig their grave deeper and deeper. And nobody seems to care what it's worth I care and I know I don't necessarily say a lot of my feelings but I've believed that Oka will get through this the entire time and maybe I should have said it louder but I Oka's stubborn and really strong and really good at what they do and plus I know how ambitious and headstrong you are about seeing through goals you want to accomplish so if there's anyone who can help save Oka it's you and if there's anything I can do to help I will help it's Oka's stubbornness that worries me they they're stubborn but this time for some reason they seem to be stubborn about Letting the gods rip them apart piece by piece. For what? For you? For me? For everyone? What good will it do, gentle, if they save Andake and they're not even here to see it? If I was a paragon, I would probably do the exact same thing. It's I think really... Jaron shoots you a look at that. By which I mean, certain things can feel a lot bigger than you and when you're told of a prophecy and you see dreams that not many other people can see that's a hard feeling to shake off it feels inevitable and I believe that not everything's set in stone but I can understand why someone would feel chained to fate as it were Jaron holds out a hand for Gentle. I take it. Do you want to help, Gentle? You said you don't believe that things are set in stone. Will you help me change? Change fate? Change prophecy? I'll do what I can. 
Can you keep Oka away from the chrysalis? That's not the easiest thing in the world. Considering we just had a talk and in order to clear some debts Oka has and to help save Bud, Oka may have promised the head of Adam. I think Jaron scrambles up hearing that and like his hair is just kind of like all wild from having like been lying down. And there is this desperation in his eyes as he looks at you and you kind of see for a moment like the kid that you knew back in Moreau's when we were when we were young when we were friends and Jaron was in trouble because they were always getting into trouble in Moreau's and you see a little bit of that same child as they look at you no there has to be another way that Oka can pay back that debt I can help figure that out. Please, gentle, will you help me? Can I ask a question first? Of course. What happened earlier today? I know when you talked about the books, you did that thing you used to do as a little kid where most people can't tell, but I've known you long enough and... I think you may have been keeping something under wraps a little bit. I was doing research, gentle, that I didn't lie about. Just, I think, I think Jaron, like, sitting there trying to think, how much do I tell gentle? Because I think at the same time, like, they don't want to lie to gentle, but they also don't want to rope gentle into whatever is happening here because... It's dangerous, and he cares about Gentle. So he's kind of like wrestling with that for a moment. I was doing research. I was just looking into the chrysalis. Since they work with the stranger, I figured that they're important to the prophecy, to figuring out exactly how we can save Oka. I just didn't want to tell them because, well. Yeah. Did you find anything good? Depends on your definition of good. Anything useful? I think so. You have to just trust me on this one, gentle. Please. Can I All ask it'll another take question. Is... What is it? Did you tell me if you were in over your head? If I thought I was in over my head, I would tell you. Promise me you'll be safe. I'm always safe, gentle. Now, Tron, which one of us had to patch the other one up all the time? Okay, but you know, some of us were better at herbalism than others. That's not, that's not, that's not the point here right now, gentle. I just need everyone to stay away from the chrysalis as much as possible. I know we can't keep Oka far away necessarily but if we could just waylay them a little bit keep Oka away from what uh and sort of like traipsing like crunch 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 like through the underbrush like like ducking underneath a branch and pushing like a big flower out of the way is Mercy uh and Oka I thought you didn't speak Morosi Mercy I keep why does everyone think I don't speak Morosi one of my exes is Morosi Zhikyat she taught me a few choice phrases star Stay away, love, fuck, sex, 
And she goes on to like list like more and more explicit words, right? Stay away from you, Mercy. And Jaron like splashes some of the pond water. <sighs> Don't waste too much of the pond water. I need to use that. Okay, I did this. And I think Oka just is immediately there and just starts setting stuff up. Like they're like moving stuff away from where the like tents were all set up yesterday. And they're like trying to make a space for something. Uh, and they like go to their bag and they like pull out this little like pouch of stuff. Right. And they're just kind of like moving around a uh, little frantically around the space. Uh, okay. As you do that, like Mercy's just sort of like crossing her arms. She's just saying, I told you they can use sending at any moment to let me know if they're in trouble. Also, they literally can't be surprised anymore. I don't know how they learned to do that. I don't know when they learned to do that. But the other day I was trying to sneak up on Sitlali, you know, you know, surprise her with a little kiss on the back of her neck. And she turned around and almost blighted me into the seven hells and back. Yeah, Mercy, and I've told you that any date with a questionable, morally gray ex that lasts over 18 hours is nine times out of ten a death threat. I learned this from you. Okay, Sitlali is in trouble. We got sent an exploding letter on our first day here. Okay, fine, fine, fine. And for the record, that date I was referencing with Selim lasted 29 hours. I mean... And we had to come rescue you from that one too, Mercy. I was fine. I was fine. It was it was fine. She was fine. It was all fine. Are you done doing your blood thing? I haven't started doing my blood thing. I'm not a blood mage. I don't know. And like Mercy like leans Stand against back. Like, a tree. Yeah, she like leans against a tree and like reaches up, grabs like a huge like coconut and like cracks it open against the side of her skull, right? And like starts to sort of like drinking it. <laughs> Fucking queen. Uh okay. Oka has kind of like cleared out this space and they litter like from this pouch that they didn't have before, like what look like little fragments, like shards of bone uh, that they kind of just like put in a circle around them. They're like, I did this with a wall last time. And for some fucking reason, V gave old Mama Lightning a vial of her blood when we were in Nabal. Weird, but I can track her with that because I'm so... And Oka kind of gets this weird look in their face. I, I know what it's... She I can I can still taste it from there. All right, all so, right. Calm down there, bloodhound. That's maybe more accurate than you think it is. Oka looks at Mercy and is like, you seriously don't have, like, even a little bit of their blood? Of Sitlali's blood? Yeah. I mean, I, I keep a lock of their hair with me, but not blood. Can you do hair magic? No, I can't do hair magic. What do I look like, a hair magician? That's not part of the divine triptych, Mercy. Blood. Divine. Or bone. No, 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 no. Bone. Uh, ew, what, like their bone? I've got like bones they carry around, but I don't think the part of their body. You have, you have bones they carry around. Yeah. Why didn't you fucking say so? Give them. What, will that help? And like Mercy rummages through a pack and pulls out a couple of like, maybe like prayer bones or something that look very sitlali like and like hand them over. Of course it'll help, Mercy. And Oka snatches them and kind of like puts them around, like in a circle closer around themselves. And then they kind of stand there for a moment. And their eyes close and just like this thick bead of blood just starts like just like drips from their nose. And anytime they had done any kind of blood magic, they would have had to bloodlet. But this they don't even do that. And again, the same kind of like wafting smell just like rolls off of them. And the like the weave just gets really, really tight and really languid. Like it too kind of like turns liquidous. As I'm going to try to pull up the marrow from Sitlali's prayer bones, from inside of the bone, pull that up, use all of my knowledge about mind linking with Sitlali to try to use my to use a brand of tethering 
to find out where they are. Are you specifically trying to find Sitlali or Old Mama Lightning? Sitlali first. Okay, okay. Roll Arcana. 25. Describe to me what it feels like physically when you're sort of shunted out of your body. It is very similar to in like in the room in Sulong when Oka like drew that like symbol in blood like on the wall and kind of like literally punted across where they can like follow the smell and the specific like tension that like is specific to Sitlali's heartbeat. They are so familiar with the way that each of the hounds heartbeat sounds that they are literally trying to pick it out of all of Dabathati, where they like actually everything just kind of goes quiet and they're listening for it. And then like once they're there, they try to find it that way. Okay, with a 25, not only are you able to ascertain where Sitlali is for a split second, but I think you like see through their eyes. Actually, give me one roll on your Humacraft die. Ooh, that's a D10 now, so a D8, a one. For one second. You see through Sitlali's eyes for one second. And as your as your vision is shunted out through the top of your head, what happened with Old Mama Lightning is you sort of like soared through like a marketplace. You like went through Dabathati's streets to sort of find her. And it was almost like she turned to see you and then you were like shunted back into your body. This is different. There's no flash of color, no hubbub of sound, no explosion of smell and touch and feel. There's just immediately and oppressively darkness. Not even darkness, but absence, void, emptiness, nothing at all. Zilch, zero, nada. Almost like you're just sort of like suspended in the gaps in the gaps between space. And then you feel and smell and see around you sort of crystalline. Innately, you feel protecting you. These like crenellations of black glass, uh, almost like you're a bird trapped in like a pretty little glass cage made of pure black material, rising up all around you, sort of forming a bubble, a pocket in the middle of this nothingness, in the middle of this empty black. And across from you, Oka, seeing through Sitlali's eyes, is Old Mama Lightning, sitting on the floor of this black glass, arms crossed around her body, legs crossed as well. Uh, she has, like, a tea out in front of her and is, like, sipping it. You see this, like, very plain, average-looking old woman. If you hadn't seen her before, she would have just looked like someone's random, like, nine-eye, like, in the street, just shopping for vegetables. Completely unremarkable. Silver hair, she's fat, she's got leather cloth armor on, like, tied up in a bun. She takes a sip of this tea, and in the one second that you see her, sit lolly slash oka she looks up the side of her mouth quirks and she cocks her head to the side and goes finash and then oka poof, you're expelled back into your own body oka reels backward i think and i think as they were doing this the blood had kind of like risen up out of the bones and hovered in this like circle around them that kind of like shimmered almost like a river kind of like the river of fate in Sulong but it's like made of blood and I think all of it just drops and like splatters to the ground as Oka stumbles back and they're like oh oh fuck 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 oh fuck fuck sit lolly fuck I was right mercy what 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 did you see what happened what's going on nothing 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 
Then why are you so freaked no, out? No, the nothing. The nothing. The nothing. The 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 the, the, the empty. So Lolly was so in Lally's... the empty. What? That's possible. Uh, as you disclose this, Oka, like I think your mind's still reeling with images. That feeling of that pervasive, just like, <laughs> not even darkness, because even darkness has mass. Darkness has volume. Darkness has shape and energy and smell. It was just void, right? It's just absolutely nothing. Emptiness, vacuum. Uh, that sensation still sort of prickles at like the edges of your skin. And you also remember like those silvery bangs, those eyes as old Mama Lightning looked up at you. And you remember those eyes looked brownish silver, but they were flecked with two different colors, gold and black. Are you shitting me? Oh. Would you like dear. to roll religion to maybe parse what the fuck was happening in your vision? 19. Love to have a plus 10 to religion. One second is all you got. But in the one second, I mean, black usually represents Siraksha in the three heads of Yudavati, and gold represents Thristi. And the black glass sort of like flowering in like a dome around Old Mama Lightning and Sitlali, almost resembling like a lotus petal, like a lotus flower or a peach closed up, almost seemed like Siraksha's presence, like protecting Old Mama Lightning and Sitlali, like doming them off from the hungry nothing. How the fuck did Sitlali get into the empty plane? Wait, but if they're in the empty, didn't. Are they okay? Didn't V get v ripped fucking apart? Fell apart there? and had those like no, colorful no, 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 stitches. They're still there. Wh what? They're still there. What? How? Sadaksha. Huh? What? Huh? Old Mama Lightning has Sadaksha. It's not just Vinash, they have Siraksha and Thristi. The other two heads, the other two echoes of the heads, they're, they're still there. Old Mama Lightning was there too. I, I could see through Sitlali's eyes, their heartbeat. They're still alive. They're still alive. Are they okay? Are they hurt? Is anything wrong with them? Are, are, are they I injured? I had one second. Well, do it again. Do it again. Now, Oka, now. Can we talk to Sitlali? Can we reach them? Can we contact them? <sighs> Fuck. And Oka kind of looks at the bones and the blood. The bone has been spent to cast the spell. Like the marrow has sort of like ribboned itself up and disappeared into nothingness. This is why I asked for blood. All of you are giving me a vial of your blood at your earliest convenience. <sighs> Fuck, I don't have anything else of Silali's. Are you sure hair won't work? I'm a very bad flesh magician. Just give it to me and I'll see. I mean, maybe the... Chrysalis has them if they have all Mama Lightning too. You're right. Fuck, gentle. You're right. The Chrysalis. We're fucking. Come on, hounds. Let's go. Let's let's grab everything we need. Weapons. We're gonna fucking storm into their goddamn headquarters. Unrush their fucking. Wait, first. I think we need a plan before we just storm. Our into plan is to kick ass. We have a fucking paragon with us. We've got Gentle who can run on water and you and they have and a me. paragon in the empty plane. You don't think that Oka might be in danger here? Sitlali is directly immediately right now in danger. We have to go. Yes. And we need a plan in order to save them so that we don't end up just like them. You, <sighs> now is not the time for your fucking cowardice, Duran. Mercy. What? Oka, come on, you of all people know, you know what the chrysalis are capable of. Sitlali at any moment could, could, they could, they could hurt her or worse. They're not gonna hurt Sitlali. How not do you know that? Yet. 
not yet, because, because they're smart. Killing Sitlali now would give them no power over us. Do you remember why I asked you to leave the palace when you came to find me in Sulong? Because each and every one of you are leverage against me. They're using Sitlali as leverage. They would not kill her now. But they could do something terrible to them. Like, I don't know, take away their magic? Or, or make them into one of those monsters? We won't let them. We won't let them. But we need to be smart about it, Mercy. We can't just go in sword swinging. We need a plan. Uh, like a look of intense pain comes over Mercy's face as they like scrunch up their like expression and like consider all of this, like their left hand clenching a fist so hard that by the time they like unclench their like whitened knuckles, all of you see like little pinpricks of blood in their palm from where Mercy was digging into her own hand. <sighs> Fine. We come up with a plan to save Sitlali and old mama lightning. But if something's wrong with Sitlali, or if they kill her before we can save them, or if we fail to save them because we waited too long, then their blood, and like mercy strides up to you, Jaron, is in your hands. Mercy, that won't happen. I won't let it happen. We all care about Sitlali, Mercy. She won't die. Fine. What's the plan? There was already going to be the conference. You're right, gentle. What better miracle than pulling someone out of the empty? But they don't know that we know. And if we know, we have power. We won't be surprised. Okay. The conference. That Adam prick's going to be there, right? What if we just, uh, what if we captured him before the miracles are supposed to go off and, uh, you know, and she like cracks her knuckles, convinced him to let Sitlali and old Mama Lightning go. I don't think that'll be as easy as you're making it sound, Mercy. I think in order to get in, we need to, like Oka said, they don't know that we know. We need to be sneaky about it. We can pretend that we're attending the conference. That'll at least give us access to all of their talks, exhibitions, whatever they have planned, and then we can get up close and personal with Sitlali, grab her before they have a chance to do whatever it is that they're planning. Okay, fine, fine. But we need more than just, we're down one. We need, we need someone else. I'll talk to Ravi. Uh, I'll get her to come in. It'll be good to have her on our side. She is a very good fighter. Yes, gentle. I, I also have a little bit of, of magic stuff, like a fog cloud, wall of water. It might help at least oh, bias God. time if we need quick getaways. I appreciate I mean, that a lot, gentle. I can fly. Yeah. Uh, this is a total sidebar, but can you magic nerds come up with better words for your spells than fog cloud, wall of water? I'd call it something like destructive cloud of the ninth heaven erupt. Isn't that cooler? Anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm freaking out. Okay. I need. <sighs> yes, that sounds wonderful. Thank you, gentle. So Lolly's going to be okay. You can't promise that you're on. But make damn sure it happens. Because if we if we lose her, if she, if, and like Mercy like can't even finish that sentence. Don't talk like that. That's how yeah. we come back for each other every time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We do. 
No hound left behind. Okay, then. We go undercover. Sneak in. We attend their... What, what's even gonna happen at this conference? What, they're gonna have a concert? They're gonna have exhibition booths about what? How to create people eating monsters? Grace seemed very focused on showing the way the chrysalis could provide in the ways that the eight can't anymore. So maybe miracles, a lot of just divine power. I think they're trying to gain from belief. Their power is a falsehood. It comes from nothing. It's all lies. All of it is lies. Like a web, like a fucking spider. The fucking cost of it is souls, too. I mean, we all know. We've dissected enough of these monsters to see what's inside of them. It might come from nothing, but power is still power, and they clearly have it and are using it. So let's not underestimate them. Yeah. It's gonna take every ounce of willpower not to just go up on that stage that Adam's on and sock him in the face as soon as he comes out. You're gonna have to hold me back, Oka. I can do that. You will get to punch him, though. Good. You all found me just in time. There's divinity in that. We'll get to Sitlali in time. Yeah. So Sitlali's not like you, Oka. They don't have the gods looking out for them. It's just us. Fate hasn't exactly chosen her. Yeah, but I've chosen you all. Let's hope it's enough. And like Mercy lets out like a huge sigh that just like balloons all the energy like out of her tense shoulders and oh, great eight, I'm tired. It's getting late. I offer a little bit of the anxiety balm to Mercy as well. This might you know help what? a little. Fuck it. Yeah, just hand it over. And like Mercy holds out yeah. her palm. She takes a big scoop of like the bomb and just eats it. Oh. Mm. This is pretty good. Anxiety reducing, right? Mm. It's meant to be more of a topical situation, but I suppose that can work. Topical? What is it controversial in some way? No, you put it on your on your like face or like on your skin. That's you not the right word for that, gentle. Topical? Yeah, I mean something else. Okay. Mm, what'd you put in this, honey? It's pretty good. I mean, I have the recipe written down, but we, we can talk about that later. Thank you, Gentle. I feel better already. Uh, and and Mercy starts, like, putting out bedrolls, I think, and, like, setting up the tent again. With that, uh, Oka, Jaron, and Gentle, the three of you as well as Mercy, head off to bed, I think. Uh, I have to know. I have to know, because Jaron, you know, your, your mind space is a little interfered, I think. Do you still snuggle with Oka that night? I do. I think Jaron, because they can't shake this this weird feeling of anxiety and like dread, I think is the best way to put it. Like there's this constant gnawing feeling like Oka, like that repeating through line of like, think about Oka dying, think about Oka dying, Oka's dead, is like going through his mind. And I think the only way that they can think of to really try and well, some of that anxiety is to be next to Oka, is to be near them. Mm, okay. Uh, so, Jaron, as you're snuggled up next to Oka that evening, and the last of the starless light filters away, giving way to just, like, almost complete darkness here in the private garden, save for a couple of, like, magical orbs of light, like, floating amongst the, the bushes, 
you all drift off into an uneasy slumber. Two of you have nightmares. One of you is Oka, and I think your nightmare is, in comparison to the other one, almost par for the course. Crimson sundered battlefield, sky filled with eyes and blood and wings, huge globules of monster-making mush sloughing off from the sky onto the ground, splattering across this torn-up field, the chasm yawning wide. This uneasy rest roils through your mindscape, Oka, and I think we actually pull out of the nightmare you're having to sort of see you maybe like twitching a little bit like subconsciously in your sleep, or maybe like even like muttering a little bit in the back of your throat. We're gonna push past you to Jaron, uh, who you're snuggled up next to. We also see Jaron's face convulsing a little bit, and we see the nightmare that Jaron's having, which is just think about it. Jaron says Adam's voice, repeating and layering itself over and over and over again in your head. Just think about it. Just to think about saving Oka from dying. Think about Oka dying. Think about Oka dying. Oka being killed by the Paragon Killer. And then you see a flash of an image, this masked menace, hooded leather cowl up, golden chisel in hand, driving it through the center of Oka's chest, Oka's eyes flung wide open, that one red bolt of Vinash growing dull as life leeches away from Oka's head and their souls threaded through that golden chisel. Think of Oka dying. And you see another version of Oka's death, uh, them cracking through the air, their wings spread out, shattering, losing feathers like icicles falling out of the sky, the final bastion of their organic wings finally, finally returning to those ghostly, translucent wings from earlier as they lose the final piece of their soul out of their body, their wings crack and they splinter. Think of Oka dying, now in flame, encased in roiling black tongues of fire, eating them up, Oka turning, uh, their double-pupiled gaze staring across this sundered, bloodied, wrapped up in black, licking, hungry jaws of flame. You see their eye piercing through the smoke before the smoke wafts up and swallows them up. Think of Oka dying, think of Oka being killed, again being stabbed, but this time, it's you. In front of Oka, Kane's dagger in hand, spearing them through that knot of scar tissue on their solar plexus. Their eyes blown wide. People's huge, staring at you. A look of sh crumpled betrayal shattering across their face. And Jaron, you along with Oka, wake up at 8am sharp. Except this time, Jaron, you have moved around in your sleep so that you've turned around to face Oka. Kane's dagger is heavy and cold in your hand, and the tip of it is pointed at Oka's chest. Oh, what are you sleeping with your dagger out for? I didn't Ow. think I was. I'm sorry. Oka, are you okay? Yeah, I just... Uh, uh, and Oka just kind of, like, thumbs over the wound and the bleeding, like, is staunched immediately. Uh. Jaron, I know you must be worried about Sitlali, but weaponry in bed is for more fun days. And I think Jaron's, like, breathing is really heavy at this point. And, like, you can see that they're kind of starting to shake a little bit. And they almost, like, scramble away from you. Not, like, not getting up, but, like, still lying down, but trying to put some distance between the two of you. 
staring at this dagger that still has, I think, like a little bit of your blood running down the obsidian blade. Jaron, are you, are you okay? No, yeah, yeah, just st- stay back, please. What? What are you talking about? No, come. No, no. Jaron. And Jaron like scrambles up and like starts to move away. Oka pauses. And they look this really kind of like baffled expression. They've been uh, too many, too many like thoughts have been happening in their face as the nightmare flies away. And now like this is also confusing and they're still kind of waking up and they're a little groggy and they're like looking at you like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I think I'm just, I had a bad dream. That's all. I just, I, I need some time. That's, that's all. And Oka looks drawn up and down. Is this about Sitlali? In a way, I guess it's, it's about dying. Death. I get it. Why would you want to be with a ghost? What? Nothing. And Oka kind of turns away. I think Jaron is still kind of like reeling from basically having like stabbed Oka just a little bit uh, in in their sleep and so they're like trying to process like what Oka is saying but also at the same time is very distracted by this constant like reel going on in his head and he like looks down at the dagger looks at the blood still running down it like puts it down next to him and then crawls closer to Oka just a little bit and puts a hand on their shoulder Oka what's wrong? I've never seen you look at me like that, Jaron. It was just a it was just a bad dream, okay, that's all. It's a nightmare that'll that'll be over soon. I promise. It's not gonna be over for me. Do you get that? It will be over for you, Oka. That's what I've been trying that's what I've been trying to do this whole time. Don't you see that? That everything that I'm doing is for you is to save your life. Do you really think you can? I know that I can. Do you not want me to? I just... I've seen what happens, Jaron, when your heart gets broken. Sitlali? Gods know what else? All the things you wrote in those letters. You fall far when you're that sure of something. So then don't break my heart, Oka. Don't let me be wrong. And Oka just kind of shakes their head. It's way too early to be having this conversation. You're right. I gotta, I gotta get some air. He says as we are outside, they will take one last look at you. Kind of maybe go as if they were going to say something. Think better of it, shake their head, and grab the cane's blade on their way out and then go to i think like go to the pond and start washing the blood off of the blade and i think as they're doing that they can't help but like mumble to themselves basically that mantra of like think about oka die oka die oka's dead oka die and they're just kind of like there like quietly mumbling to themselves cleaning this dagger oof i think it's around then that gentle I think, like, you and Mercy are also, like, getting up and at them around this time. So, like, what's your morning ritual like, and do you overhear any of this or see any of this? How loud were they being? 
Oka's not the king of subtlety. I think Jaron was too panicked to try and keep their voice down. I think Gentle's naturally an early riser, so I would not be shocked if I heard a decent amount of that. Um, especially if I see, just sort of peek uh, and see Jaron just wiping the dagger clean, I think I might just kind of sidle up and just sit next to him and Jaron, it's, it's Gentle. Hi, Gentle. Um, good morning. Morning. What's going on? Just a bad dream. Just a bad dream. Just a nightmare. That's all. That's all. You're cleaning the dagger? I shouldn't have slept with it. I don't know why I did. I should have, I should have put it away in my bag before I slept. I will put it away in my bag before I sleep tonight. If, if John allows me, I put my hand on your shoulder and with like a gentle uh, air of the healing uh, hand, just to like give you a very calming sense. You can talk to me whenever you need to. I won't force anything, but if you're in over your head, please talk to me. Thank you, gentle. I will. I will. I will. I nod, but I think it's a very sad nod of... Okay. Dron's... Dron's gonna need some time to realize he's in over his head. Uh, at this point, all of you hear Mercy's voice not come from, like, near you in the grove, but from beyond it, almost like by the boundary of the grove, sort of shouting like, Hey, 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 no! Get out of here. This area is off limits. This is not conference area. It's wherever the fuck else that's not here. Just fuck off. Uh, and you also all hear like a group of like very offended sounding people. Like remember like, oh dear gods, you know, and like, like, like the sound of footsteps like departing this area. And like a few moments later, there's like stomp, 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 like twigs snapping and then Mercy comes back in and she looks like she's been up for hours. Like, maybe you're even like, did she even sleep? Like, her hair's like up, like she's fully dressed and has like a, her great sword like strapped to her back already. She looks like ready to go. She just sees you all and says, good, you're finally up. <sighs> They're here, the Chrysalis, with their conference and with all of the thousands of sheep freaking Grass is what they call them. Grass? That's a weird thing to call your followers. Yeah, it's because they feed the grass to, you know, the chrysalis, <laughs> the imago. I don't know. That is a fucked up way of thinking about your audience. I don't know what part of death cults trying to kill the paragons and bring the stranger to Endake I wasn't clear about before. I've said this several times now. And I've believed you every time you've said it, Noka. It's it's now or never. We have to go. They've, they're setting up booths. I scouted ahead while y'all were sleeping. Um, they started coming in around 5 a.m. just setting things up. There are hundreds, if not at least a thousand people pouring into the Senate house already. Looks like there's a main stage in the center of everything. Yes, gentle. Maybe we don't want to start watching them set up. It'll only make it seem more of a concern if we show up at the event. They already know we're here. They sent a fucking bomb letter to where we were sleeping. They know we're here. We know they know we're here, but they don't know that we know where they're keeping Sit Lolly and Old Mama Lightning. They knew Loka was here. 
And they saw, I mean, Oka's been traveling with us, right? And they were able to kidnap Sitlali, so clearly they know that Sitlali is related to Oka. And if they know Sitlali's related to Oka, they know I'm related to Sitlali, and that the two of you, as she gestures to Jaron and Gentle, are related to me, which is related to Oka, okay? Maybe, but Sitlali can shapeshift and is a good liar, so... Yeah, and Sitlali was not supposed to be able to be surprised... But they still were, apparently. And now they're in the nothing plane. And she like sort of says that in like a like a stage whisper. So y'all are the ones telling me not to underestimate the chrysalis. I'm just saying, they already know we're here. We might as well just go and try to act natural. Mercy, you're really, really bad at acting natural. Are you I trying can, it now? I can do it if Sitlali's life is on the line, okay? Watch. Uh, and Mercy is gonna just sort of straighten up. And I'm going to have her roll performance with advantage because of love. That was a four. That was an eight. Uh, so <laughs> she like straight, like moves her shoulders around, like crosses her arms and looks very stiff and awkward. See? Master of deception I am. Okay, don't resist this. Uh, and Mercy is just going to feel the beating of her heart literally get pulled back into rhythm. Like, <laughs> just like... And Oka just, they don't even really move, I think. They just kind of tilt their head a little bit, and there you get this, like, focused expression on their face. And they school it back down to, like, a steady rhythm instead of a anxious one. I'm reverse engineering my, um, my blood curse of the anxious, in fact. Oh, that is a very weird sensation. And then all of you all hear another voice chime in. You really shouldn't do that without asking permission, Oka. And sort of like also pushing like past like the leaves is Ravi coming in. She does not appear to be armed, but her sleeves are rolled all the way up to reveal like these like thick black tattoos of weapons, like etched down both of her red, red arms. She's got like gruff, stiff, padded and studded leather armor on. And she nods at Mercy and at you, Oka. Well, you saw her. She's like a sad, anxious puppy. Puppy? I'd say bull rhino. What? No, puppies are a lot cuter. Uh, that is not a word I would use to describe you, Mercy. Sitlali would disagree. Speaking of which, we have a Sitlali to rescue and a paragon or whatever. Should we get going? Uh, before we go in, we should probably find uh, some chrysalis garb to put on to help us blend in more. Way ahead of you. And Ravi, like, throws a sack forward, and, like, the sack spills open to reveal, like, chrysalis shawls and robes and memorabilia and, like, things you can just, like, wrap up, like, over your head and, like, cover your face and whatnot. And she just goes, there's a ton of those shitty recruitment officers near the uh, mines all the time. I figured they wouldn't miss an extra sack of clothes. I'm not wearing those. Okay, it'll, it'll help. Oka frowns, folds their arms and then vanishes. That's new. Jaron is going to grab one of the shawls from the ground and throw it in Oka's direction. Yeah, it just lands kind of over this Oka-shaped silhouette. You're too easy to notice. This will help. Uh, Putting me in green, and I think they take the shawl off, and when they do, they also come kind of like back into existence. Putting me in green isn't going to make me any less noticeable. I'm a drow with two pupils in each eye and very noticeable scars and tattoos. They're going to know who I am and they got to like throw the chrysalis garb on the ground. I am not going to further cement the heroes of Dabathati being in support of the chrysalis. Oka has a point. 
The rest of us can go in disguise, but Oka, you should stay invisible. Just stay near us. I can wait up on the balconies up here, watch through the windows for a while. Alright. Remember the bird calls? I taught you, and you, and Ravi turns to Mercy. And then Ravi makes like a very, she raises both like grizzled hands up to her like uh, scarred mouth and makes a very convincing like trilling bird noise that sounds like it's coming from 500 feet behind you. We'll use that to communicate. Oka tries to replicate it and I think it just kind of sounds like a, a long high-pitched fart. Uh, Oka. Ew. I can't do it with my mouth. Jaron will perfectly mimic it. Right back at Robbie. <laughs> hey, look at that. This protege's got promise, Mercy. Well, of course, all of the hounds have exceptional promise. I mean, one of us is even a freaking paragon. I think as uh, Mercy just talks about all of her shining qualities, I simply uh, fashion one into a belt and then just make a, make, make, just get a scarf. That's it. Okay. Dozens of people filter into the Senate House by the minute. By the time it's noon and the main events start, this place is going to be packed. We ready? As ready as we'll ever be. All right. Then, hounds, let's fucking uh, blow up this conference, huh? Mercy, keep your heart rate down. Uh, Ravi nods. Uh, and she grabs, like, a chrysalis robe and just sort of shrugs it on and, like, pulls the hood over her head to disguise herself. And she turns, you know, and so does Mercy, leading your group, these two women, these exes, stride side by side out of the secret grove and out into the open of the Senate House. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Oka Hien fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransPlanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransPlanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Azura, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.